This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in my home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you this week? Um, you know, I'm doing okay this week. I don't know why that's my new, you know, um, I'm, I'm personally feeling good and strong and healthy this week. We've got lots of smoke in the air, so I'm trying not to breathe it too much. And, yeah. uh, you know, the world continues to be on fire, metaphorically and literally. So, hey. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, is a, a good way to say <laughs> the world is metaphorically and literally on fire. I had a big sneeze attack. Just moments before we started, so I feel like I sound like uh, it's like 3 a.m. and I just got out of bed and like, what's going on? What's for breakfast? <laughs> uh, so I apologize for that. But yes, it is uh, very, very smoky right now with all the fires yeah. uh, in California and, and the smoke that has drifted down here and made the world very, very bizarre looking and uh, not fun to breathe. No, no, that whole breathing thing, it's pretty important. <laughs> That's how I am this week. The world is not fun to breathe, uh, but we were going to have some fun talking about some fun stuff, or at least something that you and I thought was very fun. Yeah. Welcome to a weird obsession. Uh, as I say every week, you know, we've been covering lots of different kinds of obsessions from long-term things to just something we're watching right now, and this week is a something we just watched, a relatively short thing, and kind of a weird thing, because it is uh, the second part of a three-part series, and we have only watched the second part. <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of, um, it's uh, promoted, though, as a standalone. Yeah. Well, we'll get well, into Well, we'll find out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You I don't know, think we missed the narrative. I okay. I don't think we missed any. Well, yes. Mm, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. Anyway, Ooh. enough annoying buildup. <laughs> We're going to talk about the uh, the television show Long Way Down. There's also a book. We didn't read that. We just watched Long yes. Way Down. Uh, do you... Want to give a summary, or would you like us to work together on a summary? Well, let's work together. Okay, why don't you start? Okay, so this is a um, kind of a travel documentary of two people, <laughs> Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor, who, uh, together with their team... May I interject? Yes. That Now, Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor, that is obviously correct, but that's not the way they're billed. Is there a reason that you chose against the work of their agents to flip <laughs> their billing? I was going alphabetically. <laughs> Which is a joke they make in the show. Yep. Uh, please continue. Thank Sorry. you. So they, um, along with uh, a small team, have decided to ride their motorcycles from the top of Scotland, John O'Groats, all the way down through part of Europe and down through Africa. And this uh, kind of, it's them on their bikes with uh, cameras and it's their camera crew and it's the things that happen to them and with them and their experiences on this journey. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, so there is a previous uh, motorcycle trip that they took called Long Way Round, where they went from London to New York. Mm -hmm. The long way round, obviously. They didn't just right. ride their Take a motorcycles. Take a boat. <laughs> they didn't sit on their motorcycles while they crossed <laughs> the Atlantic on a boat. Vroom, I mean, vroom. I'm sure they would be in for I'd, I would do that trip. Yeah. We'll talk about what trips we will or will not do, of course. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, so I guess my thing about it is, um, Long Way uh, Round came out first, 2004, uh, Long Way Down was 2007, uh, took a big break for lots of different reasons that I read about on Wikipedia, and they are currently, right now as we are uh, speaking, doing a bunch of promotion for Long Way Up, 
which is going to be traveling through South America uh, from the southernmost part of South America all the way up to Los Angeles. They've already uh, recorded it, obviously. They're filming it, and it's going to be uh, for Apple, not an Apple TV, because that's a thing. So Apple streaming. Okay. <laughs> Apple TV is a physical object. Right, Apple, yeah, you have yeah. to pay to watch stuff, whatever the hell, Apple Plus, Apple Zero. I don't know. I'm grumpy about <laughs> Apple, because I was excited to see Long Way Up, and like, I don't, I'm not, all right, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but we're not talking about streaming services uh, this week. We are talking about Long Way <laughs> down long way to so i guess my thing with it, watching the second part is you know i i can be a kind of completist and like for a book series like i would never just jump in on book two that's nuts uh in all while this is not like narrative i am i do think there'd be things that you would pick up on like what's the difference between this trip what's the difference between that trip you know what was their bonding so much of it is about their relationship. Like, did we miss anything yeah. by not watching Long Way Around first? Yes, yes. I hear that. And believe me, I'm sure we'll talk about this. I definitely want to watch Long Way Around. <laughs> but from watching only Long Way Down, it feels a little bit more like uh, we've talked before about how I'm a fan of, say, like, Monty Don Garden documentaries. Not the same thing. One person, not a building relationship, but I don't feel the need to watch them in filmed order yeah no i need to watch monty dawn age in the correct order or <laughs> i cannot <laughs> start back with the 1980s gardener's world <laughs> that's right i need to watch everything he ever did to just see how life affects him yes so uh i, I take your point and i did entirely just enjoy uh long way down for its own adventure and they did reference long way around uh, mm-hmm. a little bit and i think you could get a sense of uh what was different uh this time for them yeah. You know, and what was, what was better, what was worse, what was all those things. So uh, let's talk about like why you purchased it and why <laughs> we watched it now. Do you want to tell that story? Sure. So um, I believe two years ago on your birthday, mm-hmm. uh, we were at Amoeba Records, wandering the aisles, enjoying, um, looking around. And I saw this in their DVD section. And... It had been in my mind, and you reminded me last night because you had bought the book for your dad a few years prior for uh, a present. And for, I was like, Yeah, for Christmas. Oh, for a Christmas present. And I saw this like, Sweetie, it's your birthday. We need to buy this. <laughs> <laughs> and you, uh, I will be honest, seemed a little nonplussed and not as certain as I was that this needed to be acquired for your birthday. I'll also say, like, it was in there as has been. It was like $3. Oh, yeah. So I was like, but... It's a cheap way down. But we... No, no you don't understand. Like, it's here. And it's this. <laughs> and we need we need this. And we did get it. I think I... We had gone to Amoeba <laughs> on my birthday with the thought of, like, I, I think I had one or two things I had had my eye on that, like, ooh, I'll treat myself uh, on my birthday to this uh, Doctor Who DVD and, like, one other thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I found many things that I suddenly wanted for my birthday. <laughs> so I think I was feeling guilt for more things. Uh-huh. And then you had this great conviction that I needed this. And <laughs> just for my relationship to it, uh, we'll talk more about this, but, you know, I'm a big fan of Ewan McGregor, honestly, largely because I think his performance is just amazing as Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels. And he's one of the things uh, I've always loved about the prequels. And he's one of the things that, uh, you know, makes me want to come back to them. The character, I'm a big fan of the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think he is uh, endlessly fascinating and complex across all the storytelling of Star Wars. So I, I like other Ewan McGregor roles a lot, but that's my main connection to mm-hmm. like when you showed me a disc of like, it's the actor who plays Obi-Wan, 
but he's on a motorcycle with another guy you've never heard of. You have to have this. I didn't quite understand. And the reason I got the book from my dad is my dad can sometimes be hard to shop for. And he really likes uh, nonfiction. He really likes stories of like people who just went out and they got a walking stick and they went somewhere. And as it was a year that I was having a hard time finding something for him. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he's seen a couple of Ewan McGregor. I think he maybe told me he liked Black Hawk Down or something. <laughs> and it was like a real shot. Uh, like a real, hey, I got to get my dad something. Here's somebody who's heard of who went on a trip. Like, yeah. so I, I wasn't like, oh, this is so fascinating. It was, I need to get something for my dad. And this is close to something that he might like. Uh, so then it, it, <laughs> somehow that turned into, <laughs> you need this. Yeah. I just, I laugh because it, hearing it from your perspective totally makes sense and is the much more rational but for some reason i just um was fixated that uh you needed these other things for your birthday as well um but that this like we would be foolish to walk away without this in our hands <laughs> and i didn't want to be foolish well and i think i have what i really like and why i wanted to share this story is it is sort of one of those will of the will of fate things where uh i always found it charming that you were like you've You've already picked out a bunch of things for your birthday. Let's add this on. It wasn't like an expensive thing, but just the the insistency of like, you know, we will always look back and regret this. Like the energy you had was like we chose not to buy a house or something like we can't look back on this and regret not picking this up. So every time I saw it on our shelves, I was kind of just like charmed by the memory because it is I'm poking fun, but it is a very kind thing that you do where you get excited about something that you feel I should have, and I have learned the lesson of you have given me some presents. Sometimes we're like, I'm not sure if I, and then it ends up becoming my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. So every time I looked uh, on the shelf and saw it there, I was just sort of charmed by it. And then when we finally got around to watching it, uh, which we ended up watching it in less than a week uh, because we were we do uh, we watch classic Doctor Who on Saturday mornings, <laughs> and then we have <laughs> Documentary Sunday where we watch a random documentary. So for Documentary Sunday, we're like. Well, let's finally try it out. And we were incredibly intensely hooked. So I am really charmed by that you had this intensity that we should buy it. And then it was like, okay, cool, weird, fine. We'll get around to it eventually in the mountain of things we have to watch. And then lo and behold, uh, your instinct uh, was entirely correct that we were both (laughs) utterly charmed by it. Yeah. And I also love that I was extremely insistent that you buy it. But we've both brought it up to each other a few times over the years, um, even before we implemented, you know, Safer at Home Documentary Sunday. Um, <laughs> of like, should we watch this? And I was, I was like, mm, no, nah. like, I, I didn't have that burning need to watch it. But then suddenly this was the, th- the time. Yeah. And oh, my gosh. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was the time. So um, tell me what you thought it was going to be. And then tell me a little bit of why it hooked you. Ooh, yeah. So I I think I I didn't have a lot of thoughts about what it was going to be. I also think in my mind I had combined it with something else and I thought that it was actually um for some reason I think I had in my head that they're going through Central and South America. Okay. So I was predicting the future. That's what I was doing. <laughs> Let's make that clear. Um and but I was just like, you know, I I am a fan in in general um in books of kind of the the travelogue or like, you know, person walking a path or living a year in an area or that kind of experiential um, 
sharing of a story. So yeah. I tend to like that approach anyway. So I was like, okay, well, this will be interesting. Um, and I will admit, like, in watching it, it was it was not the motorcycles that were like, yeah, and <laughs> not really my thing. Um, and then, but I was excited to kind of see what they would do and what the experience would be of going through Africa. Hmm. Okay, so that's what you thought it was going to be. Yes. Uh, Sorry, and, yes. And then what... What, what I, hooked me? Yeah. Um. So the first episode, if we may spoil a thing that is now 13 years old... I think we can. Um, ...is all about them getting set up and prepped for... The, like, they don't even start the journey until the second episode. <laughs> and I don't think either of us expected that. But it was fascinating and just... Um, obviously, we were both very familiar with uh, the work of Hugh McGregor. I did not know who Charlie Boardman was um, or the other people who are involved that, you know, the directors. And but just like as you get all the people involved, they're um, excuse me, they're very charming. And just the story that they're starting to tell and the way that they're telling it. Honestly, I think part of it is the way that they're telling it. Like you're really it's not a shiny thing. It's not yeah. a shiny object. It's a journey. And we're they're basically bringing us with them on the entire experience of the journey. So it was, a, to me, I think, honestly, big picture, that's part of what drew me in and really made me enjoy it was not just, you know, like seeing the places and all that. And, you know, I'm a big fan of lots of other documentaries like we've talked about, but it wasn't, it wasn't shiny. It wasn't glossy. It wasn't, look, we sailed through the border. Look, this went well. But it wasn't all like, oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. It was just kind of, it felt very real. I mean, it did have a lot of kind of the re- reality show vibe for some parts of it, but the the realness of it, not the fake fights part <laughs> part yeah. of it. Um, so that's that's my first attempt at explaining what I liked about it. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is really good. Like, I'm always aware when I'm watching something like this that I didn't feel like there was any like fake conflict uh, stoked. Uh, so everything felt real. But then I'm always aware that you, you edit to conflict, right? Mm-hmm. So you you choose to play it up or, or you know or play it down, and the um, I think just the general tone of that first episode was realistic. I guess uh, let me back up. I think the reason that I was like I'll watch this maybe someday and it will be fun. I'm sure it will be fun. I've seen enough interviews with Ian McGregor behind the scenes. Hey, he's charming, and I'm sure this other guy is too, and that'll be great. But, like, the reason I got it from my dad, to be perfectly honest, is, you know, my dad likes macho stories of men challenging themselves, man against nature. And that's Mm -hmm. sort of like, that's why I bought him the book. And I was a little concerned that it was going to be a little bit like, we are rugged. It's just bicycles and bicycles. It's just motorcycles (laughs) and us against the world. And I thought it might uh, honestly just sort of teeter into the a, a sort of a story of celebrating stereotypical masculinity man against nature mm-hmm. and the fact that the first episode was like we're gonna miss our wives uh we, we're, we're concerned about you know whether or not our tents look cool <laughs> it was all either in in like lots of people fussing with like but here's the reality of whether or not we can go to that country we have been on you know there's cool support staff of all these women working hard to like figure out complex laws of how can they possibly get into this African country, mm-hmm. uh, and is it safe to go there? And yeah, in that first episode, um, there's a great thing where they go. They're in the UK and they're planning for six months 
uh, and they go on that um, that stress test, um, the, the survivalist, the survival thing, the yeah. survival thing that has some sort of like macho name, like Shadow Quake or something. I can't remember what oh, it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it is some you know macho guy leading it in the safety of the UK telling them about all the horrible things that are probably going to be happening and how they have to deal with it. And then Ewan McGregor gets kind of annoyed and like, I, you know, I was feeling really great about this trip and I just feel like this guy just kind of scared me and just made it seem awful. Like every, <laughs> like every awful thing that like, so for me, I think some of the things that I projected onto it that I feared were directly subverted mm, by that first mm-hmm. episode, that it was very human reactions of, uh, uh, not wanting it to be this, you know, exploration in like, honestly being macho. It was about, it was about relationships and feelings and, you know, uh, uh, this sense of adventure and exploration, but without the, like, I am going to, you know, conquer Africa by riding a bike across it, you know? Yeah. I'm going to conquer fear. No, there's like, oh, we hope we just see some sunsets. We don't want anything (laughs) violent to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's such that's such a good point. And I think that's part of what I enjoyed too is all of the things that they did show in that first episode of them training and going to like the survivalist where they had to um survivalist camp where they had to build the shelter and the person stepped on it and it fell down and you know it's like I spent a lot of time trying to build that and he's like <laughs> don't let your face you know be outside of your wilderness or a hyena will just bite it off and um you know <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fear a lot of fear and and you know i think um rightly so to be aware of what some of the dangers could be might be and um certainly they had things change within it and even just things like um you know, like their own lives, like, you know, Charlie's wife had a health scare right before he left and you broke his leg. <laughs> and like just kind of the the reality of we're trying to do this thing, but also look at us trying to cope with life right now at home in the UK, like that kind of balance. And and I yeah, I think both the uh, the non non macho approach to it and also just the reality of it's a lot of countries. Things change a lot. A lot and part of the point is to go kind of in off-road areas you don't know what you might go into you're gonna be there in six months um so be prepared be smart but also you know have fun and be friendly and i just thought it was really interesting how they prepped us the audience for what the journey was yeah no i think you said a lot of great stuff there but what really stuck out to me is this idea that they they didn't romanticize it i think that's what made Mm -hmm. it feel like I think a part of my aversion, too, was like, I don't know if this is something that I would ever want to do that I ever could do. Um, And I thought that I would feel alienated by it. Mm -hmm. And then to see the sort of realism of, yes, uh, Ewan McGregor is very famous. Uh, Charlie Borman is, you know, uh, the son of has been in many movies and is now known as, you know, his Wikipedia entry now says, you know, actor and adventurer. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. no slouch. Yeah, no, he does uh, a lot within the motorcycle community in particular. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that I thought that it everything's everything felt relatable because it felt like I'm not going on a motorcycle trip through uh, all of Africa, but it also felt like they're having the kind of days that I have too. Or like, well, I got this big important <laughs> meeting for a script on this day, but then this accident happens or my, you know, my computer breaks down and like to see them have those same frustrations was very humanizing. Yeah. And, yeah, and definitely. Relatable. Um, 
so I, I wanted to share some of the kind of big picture things that grabbed me about it mm-hmm. uh, and get get your thoughts. Um, I think one thing for me, and I think a reason that we just sort of gobbled this up and couldn't stop watching, and, you know, normally the documentaries stay on Sunday morning, and this one exploded <laughs> into our whole week. Uh, it, they, it is undeniably blissful, cathartic, uh, bittersweet to watch people travel right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, I think that is a part of it. It's just like that feeling of like, oh, look at them. They're outside <laughs> with, with other people. Yeah. yeah and then they, they got up and they just went somewhere. And they shook people's hands. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Look at those hand touchers. <laughs> That's, um, I mean, yeah, great. Africa is unique and amazing and beautiful. But look at them <laughs> dining at a restaurant, too. Like true yeah, yeah yeah but also i think there's just like a spirit to it like that's obviously what animates this is that they uh they uh as the stars and everybody else involved are really interested in that like we want to go places and see things so it's it's beyond the sort of um simple contrast of where many of us are still consider ourselves in in somewhat of a lockdown mm-hmm. um versus traveling freely there that contrast is obvious but I think for me, it it ignited that spirit of uh, just wanting to be adventurous. Like mm-hmm. I found myself wanting to do things even like in my list of creative things that I want to do. I found myself wanting to have that feeling of trying something scary and new mm-hmm. and just that general feeling of wanting adventure, N- not even in a physical sense, but more in a the the largest sense possible you know yeah because you can have adventures on your computers too (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's such a good point um and that's fascinating um to me to have you bring that out because i think subconsciously i think i had that reaction of like yes things that can be done but i hadn't actually put words to it yeah yeah did you have any inspiration uh that's that wasn't literal to travel did it make you want to be able to do something physically that you haven't been able to do? Did it make you want to be adventurous in any specific way? Um, I think not in a specific actionable way, but more just kind of, um, it's so easy when you're not doing, uh, well, I won't say you, for me, when I, you know, to be like, yes, I can do all these things. And then when you don't do them for a while, they seem very hard. Yeah. And complicated and like there's barriers between you and trying different things or going places or yeah. going somewhere off the beaten path or something like that. And it just kind of, um, for me, helped knock down some of those barriers that I think um, I sub- unknowingly had erected. Oh, it is very easy to erect cants, right? Of <laughs> yeah, all the it reasons is, yeah. To, to build a scaffolding of cant around yourself. Yeah. And the world does plenty of that, too. And yeah, then, of then course you, it does. you figure out a way to climb around the scaffolding, and that's what this is, right? It's, yeah. It's, you know, uh, 10 hours of figuring out a way to climb around the scaffolding. Yeah. Because there's a lot telling you you can't. Yeah, or just to be like, oh, this is scaffolding. This isn't an ocean that can't be crossed, and then you yeah. build a boat. Like it, you can take down scaffolding. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you can build. A you can metaphor build off scaffolding. of scaffolding. Yeah. You can do so much. Yeah. And I do also want to comment on the the kind of watching people travel during this time because I both really enjoyed that part of it, and also I feel like that's one of the things that captivated me to 
so this one more than something that I think I keep kind of glomming onto this idea of that it wasn't glossy or that it just it felt real and I liked I think because you know as so many of us are trying to say like yeah you're gonna have good days and bad days during this time and sometimes there's not a reason for it there's just a lot going on and I feel like we got to see that experience and have that cathartic emotion emotional response as well of like they're having good days and bad days and sometimes it's just about whether or not they slept or their tent got blown over by the sand and the wind and to have both the travel but also kind of the the ups and the downs of a long trip yeah. and have that shared so it just felt like the right kind of travel narrative travelogue documentary thing yeah yeah like there's uh, there's you know uh big moments of conflict and specific hurdles and all mm-hmm. that but then e- there's even st- stuff as simple as uh you know a lot of it is about well we just love riding motorcycles together that's what this is about and then uh you know some great beats where they're just like they hit a patch of road that has this amazing scenery but then they're on it for four hours and then cut to the next bit of narration like okay it was beautiful, but I got it now, and I would like this road to end so yeah. I can eat or yeah. sleep, you know? Yeah, and having, it's all bumps. And, yeah, yeah. Having, even when it's not bumpy, just that, like, that idea of, like, uh, that realism of I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I've now been doing it for four hours, and I could use a break, mm-hmm. you know, that simple of uh, just sort of realism. Um, another thing that I really liked is, obviously, it is, I didn't I think I didn't really realize how much it would be uh, a tour of not just the geography of Africa, but how how uh, decent it was going to be in terms of sharing some of the culture of Africa. And a huge caveat, I am not knowledgeable. I'm shamefully unknowledgeable. Um, And this was made in 2007. So it's 13 years old and all that. But they just visited so many different places and different uh, countries. kinds of communities and Mm -hmm. cultures and ideas and it's one of those beautiful things where you got to see like wow look at these people living in an entirely different environment an entirely different philosophy of life uh than me but then look at all these things that are absolutely the same uh, that they're they have culture you know built around food and and this is uh, they have music and singing and dancing and and even when there's not uh, the language breakdown that people are still picking up on one another and like laughing and just like uh, it's not anything that I don't know but it was just refreshing to see mm-hmm. um, and I think it was really intriguing to see you know that they both they uh, are work for UNICEF and you know there's some really hard stuff of vil- yeah. you know visiting people and uh, museums that are are to remember trauma mm-hmm. um, and there's something about that as well that within an episode they would go and like talk to somebody who had been through horrible trauma or or visit a museum uh you know commemorating uh, just an absolutely tragic event and then the episode would go on in about five minutes later they'd be at a campsite joking about what they're eating for dinner Mm -hmm. not in a disrespectful way in a reality way in a this is the whole panorama of of life Mm -hmm. of like you have to take the time to stop and be respectful of tragedy and and you have to take the time and stop and discuss with other people what their life philosophy is but then you also have to find joy and keep moving and for me none mm-hmm. of it felt too disrespectful none of it felt too um too anything i guess it just felt like a what i got out of the episode was 
you know, it, not this division between it's a happy story or a sad story or a funny story or, or, you know, a serious story. It was just like, here's a little snapshot of this huge range of realities of being alive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like they did such a good job, um, not only with the editing of the episodes and kind of bringing the audience through those moments, but really taking the time to show how much some of the harder moments really affected the, you know, the cast and crew and, Mm -hmm. you know, people, various people at different times. I think sometimes just having to like walk away from the camera so that they could have their moment of contemplation. Um, And like you said, with that joy, I feel like it was a really great bringing kind of (laughs) that thing that we all know, but apparently need to have uh, repeated to ourselves (laughs) over and over again, that we are, you know, all humanity and we are far more connected than we are um, not connected. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even like, for example, like one of the places they went was a, school in Kenya where there had been a horrible massacre and they are having this experience of hearing about it and processing their reactions to it and talk to some of the students who had been there. But not only do we get to see that, um, you know, you and Charlie having their emotional response to that and then their joyful moments later, but we even get to see that within the students who are there at the school. Like we see them talking about their experience, but then we they also put on, you know, a song and dance for the visiting TV crew. And like, so you get to see that range of emotion with the people in the places as well as with the people that you're following. Yeah, the people and, who actually experienced it. Yeah, yeah, and it just, it does really make it all feel very cyclical and human. Yeah, yeah. And that such, and I think it is just such a, was such a great way to be like, they kept, you know, trying to understand why horrors happened, mm-hmm. you know, and that was particularly affecting when they're at a school where there's a horrific slaughter and then you know in the background just all these kids you know playing with a ball you know laughing and having fun and getting on with life and just like the utter humanity of like how can you look at that and then think that this horrible thing could happen but we must remember that this horrible thing happened and we must strive to understand it mm-hmm. so it doesn't happen again yeah you know yeah all, yeah so it had a depth that i didn't entirely expect yeah for me. yeah i agree um the other big thing for me that I really enjoyed uh, was honestly just uh, this is a weird thing to say, but I feel I must to see Ewan McGregor <laughs> as a human being. Not that mm-hmm. I didn't or I don't, but I spend so much time thinking and talking about Star Wars. And it's really joyful on the the Four Center podcast feed uh, that I do with my friend uh, Ken Napsock and Jennifer Landa when she is able Um but I think that I see sometimes see for for fans this real disconnect where they I know that fans know <laughs> that the actors are not the characters. Mm-hmm. But to just really, uh, you know, I think sometimes when when people don't understand why actors aren't answering things quite the same way it's like, well, because it's the actors who just played that character and then went on with their life. And right. they don't need to know the. They don't need to have watched every episode of the Clone Wars animated series. They played the character and they moved on. Mm-hmm. And if they need that information at some point, they will get. You know, um, so I think I always want for myself to be like, yeah, I have a relationship with uh, watching Ewan McGregor be Obi Wan Kenobi because I've watched it, you know, dozens and dozens of times in my life. He did it once <laughs> <laughs> years ago and moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, and now he's going to reprise the role, which is great. Uh, but he was he was great and charming uh, person. And I think just for me, it was really interesting and cool to say like, okay, well, what what parts of himself did he bring to that role? To other films, you know, I think I thought his performance in Birds of Prey was amazing. Mm, that he yeah. captured sort of uh, the angry entitlement of a white dude, uh, of an insecure white dude, incredibly well, while also making it really darkly funny uh i unironically love the christopher robin movie uh where i think he plays the you know the sadness and the joy of of reconnecting to uh being a child incredibly Mm -hmm. well so i've I've got a lot of respect for him as an actor and i think for me it was really fun to not only see uh to to see him as a human being but also just like a really good exercise for all of us is fans of genre to try to remember to separate our relationship with the character from the human being who played the character mm-hmm. does that make sense it, or have absolutely. i rambled my way out of sense <laughs> no no i think it absolutely makes sense and i i think there is always that push pull when watching something like this which you know absolutely one of the reasons that i grabbed it and was insistent that you needed it was because it's you mcgregor um, because we've been fans of his work in a wide variety of things, not just because he's Obi-Wan Kenobi, but certainly that's part of it. And, um, but there is always that divide of like, okay, but this is not, <laughs> this is not Obi-Wan Kenobi goes on a mo- motorcycle trip through Africa. This is the actor. Um, and I think it is always, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I think probably from, you know, both of us having spent a lifetime uh, in the arts and as performers and so knowing lots of people who do lots of things and being those people ourselves it's um always interesting to kind of see like who's the person and what's the performance like you just said but i have a question for you which oh, might be yeah. jumping something that you're going to talk about later how did it feel for you for you and mcgregor who did play obi-wan kenobi he did visit um one of the places in tunisia where um the first star wars was filmed and did seem to really bring, like, he brought up Obi-Wan a few times. He did. And who knows if he brought it up a lot and those are just the ones that he they kept in in the editing or if those are the only times he brought it in and they're like, no, we've got to keep it in there. Um, but what was that experience like for you to get to see him visit some places and have kind of his reaction both as you and the, the person and the actor who played Obi-Wan? It was great, honestly, because it was nice to see outside of a press conference where somebody's asking him questions. And he's, you know, honestly, press conference is a part of an actor's job. Mm-hmm. And and I think I've never seen, uh, you know, Ian McGregor feel like I think he's, you know, saying a nice thing about Star Wars because he has to. He, he's fairly honest in his interviews, mm-hmm. um, except for when he was made to lie about not reprising the role of Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi because it wasn't announced yet. Those are very funny videos. Uh, and as soon as it was announced, he did a whole, he appeared on every talk show talking about how awful it was that he had to lie about that. So in general, he's a very truthful guy. But to answer your question, it was great to see without prompting from other people, his relationship with Mm Obi-Wan. Because he, you know, he's clearly, he's been really clear about like, I grew up with the original trilogy. I loved it. Uh, He's, you know, been on record of like the first couple uh, shots of him with a lightsaber. He had to work hard not to make the noises because he's a kid playing because it's a dream come true, right? Um, So to see, especially in 2007 when they did this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he would have finished shooting his last one, Revenge of the Sith, in, you know, 2003, 2004. 
uh, and then done all the press in 2005. So it was just in the rearview mirror now. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, eh, yeah, and then, but now that's a huge part of who I am everywhere I go. So to wonder, like, is he like Alec Guinness, uh, who played Obi-Wan Kenobi originally, liked Star Wars and thought it was great. But there's literally in uh, initially, but there's mm-hmm. literally interviews of him saying in 1977 when it was coming out saying, please, uh, by all means, go see it. It's a lovely little story of simple good and evil. But please don't spend too much time thinking or talking about it because it's just a simple <laughs> little story. <laughs> Every time I sit down to podcast, like, I'm so sorry, Alec Guinness. And he eventually got it really annoyed with it and had some like vitriol in some of his uh the his books and interviews really because he didn't well he didn't he has this whole other career yeah and then suddenly he's just like you're blue shining space wizard that's all you are to it like i think he had a real relationship with it like that and i think there are other people who have had ups and downs with it of course from the actors you mean yeah from the actors right Right? of course yeah. yeah so that was great to answer your question in the long way around it was great to see that he had this sort of like, regardless of anything else, it's, you know, I'm I'm happy having been Obi-Wan and I get a kind of delight from it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it was really funny because basically, th- because they went through Italy and then into Tunisia, mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor literally followed Anakin Skywalker's path through Attack of the Clones because the characters are split up in that movie. And first, Anakin goes to <laughs> Naboo, which is Lake Como. And when they were going to Lake Como, he's like, they went there for Star Wars, but I didn't get to go. So it's right. like And then from Naboo in Attack the Clones, mm-hmm. Anakin goes to Tatooine and Lars Homestead. And then in this documentary, then Ewan goes <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, Tunisia in the Lars Homestead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that when he was at the Lars Homestead, he, he was, you know, taking pictures and kind of lingering and kind of joking, but it felt real of like, kind of thought somebody would recognize me i'm like i'm in the star wars place and and i'm a star Wars guy you know it was kind of amazing to me and and honestly like maybe people were recognizing him and just not wanting to make a thing of it but we saw like they showed on there at least a few people walking right past him as he's taking a photo yeah there's and a picture of, of attack the clones and he takes a picture of himself with it yeah with it and nobody looks up and goes like wait it was kind of shocking because it isn't like he looks that much different. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. Thank you. Yeah. And I think the, 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 it comes up a couple of times and I, I was kind of curious if it was going to be the, like that when I saw they're going to Tunisia, I was like, Oh boy, is he going to mention star Wars? And I was from the get go from the first episode, he mentions it fairly often and, and fairly casually of like, this is of, of course it's a big part of my life. Of course, that's a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. But the, the one that really got me, um, you know, they have the, the cameras on their helmets in the microphones uh, where they can just record some thoughts as they're driving along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he obviously chats with himself quite a bit there, Ewan McGregor. Uh, but there's one time he just says an Obi-Wan line uh, to himself and kind of laughs. He, he says one of his lines. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, be mindful of your thoughts. They betray you. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of says it to himself. So like, oh, he's internalized some part of it. Because that was... That's a line from, you know, Attack the Clones, which he would have filmed in like 2000, 2001. Yeah. And here he is on a bike saying it out. He's not, it's not some reporter asking him to be cute. He's not at a convention. Yeah. He is saying that to himself alone on his motorcycle. In the middle of a three-month trip. In the middle of a (laughs) three-month trip. And that was like this little window of like, it does mean something to him. It did affect him. He's quoting himself from, you know, from his perspective Mm -hmm. six, seven years ago. Yeah. 
And yeah. so it's it's is clearly still a part of him. Mm-hmm. So that was fun and interesting. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah. And I think, honestly, a big part of it was just he was a fascinating and infectious person the way he was he was on this video mm-hmm. uh, or this video, you know what I mean, on this uh, documentary uh, that you and I talked about that he really has this interesting vibe of being totally fascinated by something, totally thoughtful about it. So it doesn't seem at all fake. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he could like pick up an interesting piece of artwork, you know, a, a ceramic bowl and be totally fascinated about it and wonder about the cultural reasons behind it and where they got the paint. And what does it mean to, you know, how do cultures connect over the vessels we use to carry drinks? And then he'll have had that deep thought. And then now it's time to go to the next thing. And there's yeah. something that that's both like it's wonderfully childlike about that approach to life i don't mean that in an insulting way i mean that like both the ability to be deeply fascinated and curious about something Mm -hmm. but then that impulse to move forward move forward move forward yeah and to have both of those things have the energy of both those things was a really fascinating and cool thing to see yeah i completely agree yeah Uh, i wanted to ask you about a part that you touched on a little bit but i thought might speak to you a little bit more which is just logistics. There's a. They were really honest <laughs> about the logistics. I think you are good at logistics. You have ended up in jobs where you, logistics is a part of, like when we were doing stage managing um, for a, a lot of things, but the Jonathan Colton Joko crews in particular, and a lot of the people really, uh, a lot of the performers just came to adore you because they knew that they were only seeing the tip of the iceberg of what you were doing and they didn't need to worry about the rest of the iceberg because you had just done the work already and you mm-hmm. knew what was going on. Did watching something like that, this is the same thing where they, they show these binders, the huge amount of <laughs> yeah. paperwork and information to get through some borders that were very serious of like, yep. we could be detained. We could, you know, this is nothing to joke around about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the work had been done. Mm-hmm. Did that whole sort of logistics part of it really speak to you? I mean, I I am always fascinated by logistics. Let's be <laughs> honest. I laugh, uh, laugh, laughed when you started to ask the question, just because I find it ridiculous that um, that I am so fascinated by logistics and so much of of uh, many, many, many different jobs that I've had. Ultimately, if you boil it down, a lot of it is logistics, um, and I enjoy it. I get a kick out of it, and I. Um, you know, am sometimes good at it. So that's great. Uh, it's it's interesting because some parts of it I really liked and some parts I was like, oh, I really am glad that is not my job and I never want that job. <laughs> um, in particular, dealing with the visas and pass- the person who like it was her job for the entire prep time to be working on getting all these visas. Uh, that was the like, yeah, I would never want that job. Yeah. Give me, make me be in charge of figuring out that you have enough of the right p- parts for a motorcycle when I don't know when anything is called over making me be in charge of visas. Like it's, it's interesting. Like that was a real visceral reaction to me. The motorcycle one you would like the over, figure- I would rather, I would prefer that one over the visas. So when, yeah. So <laughs> is the visas because it, it, it isn't in your power. Like you, all you can do is master the information. Like if a, you know, a website for a country says this is what you need to get the visa. You gather the stuff and you send it and it's out of your hands. It's not it's not honestly even about that. It's just that it feels um, so potentially complicated 
Um, you're starting with, uh, I think, at least British and American passports. I'm not sure if there are any others. And there, there's different rules for, you know, every country of who you need a visa for and just like going through all of the government paperwork. Yeah. It's honestly, it's reading all of the government documents that I don't, <laughs> I'm just like, no, I'll fall asleep and miss something important. Um, that That's why. It's not at all about control. It's just the, okay. like, the logistics of it seem overwhelming to me. But the logistics overall of the trip of kind of figuring out how they're doing this. And honestly, maybe that's part of why I enjoyed so much in the first episode, some of the, some of the training that they're doing and just, you know, kind of um, preparing mentally as well as physically and strategically for what, Everybody on that trip. I mean, it's it's the the six people that we don't see on camera as much, or I think uh, I'll say six. I don't remember exactly, but you know, you've got Die the medic, and you've got the camera people, who's and one of them who's also their security person. You've got the two director <laughs> producers, and like all of these people are going through all of this, and so yeah. you have to get all of them prepared. And that side of it, of really like, no, this is part of the logistics of it. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. And and I love the the map and how are they actually going to get there and what's a realistic amount of time to travel and what are the roads actually going to be because it makes a giant difference if it's asphalt versus sand. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, I all of that I, I did find very fascinating. For yourself as a logistics planner, mm-hmm. if you were working on something like this, where where would the joy be? Would it be when you're mm. right in the middle? Let's say you were in charge of, hey, can you actually do some research? It looks like we can get from this city to this city in this amount of time. But is that true? Are there obstacles we're not going to, you know, if you're helping with the route? Yeah. Would the joy be when you're in the middle of it, when you're trying to figure out, you know, are there any obstacles we don't know about? Or is the joy when you see that you have laid out a plan and it worked? I'm going to say the joy is actually in three places for me. <laughs> I like three place joy. <laughs> um, certainly the, the, the planning and the getting into it. Um, and I'm going to give it with a caveat, like, especially if you have the time to do it, to f- figure it out, if it's like not in half an hour or you don't have 50,000 other things you need to do, but you can actually figure it out, take that time to deep dive. Um, so that part of it is absolutely fun to me. Something going well and being like oh yeah that worked uh that's always a good feeling but also the like to me another part of the logistics is these are the logistics that we anticipate this is we've done our research this is where we think we're gonna go we can't predict all of the alternate scenarios but these are a few other things that we need to be prepared for just in case Mm. and to me part of it like i don't want things to go wrong ever but it's also the like okay if something goes a little bit haywire do you have the the tools to be able to adapt and still get to the point that you need to get to and that ability to to improvise to have the right implements is also honestly one of the things that gives me joy even though i don't ever want things to go wrong but but it's not like ooh perfectly executed plan went well um that's one of it but to me that's it's not i'm not that linear okay. <laughs> of a person and so when it is when it's like yep something came up but we prepared for it or we didn't but because of all the other preparations that we did we can make a best case case solution and still get to the goal that we need to get to yeah um you know whether it's getting to the border or the campsite or whatever right so it's more that idea that great logistics great planning doesn't mean that there won't be problems it means that you will probably be able to duct tape a solution together Mm -hmm. 
when the pr- problems inevitably happen. So you don't yeah. have to worry about the problems too much because you have a team yeah. in planning that can make a problem go away. Yeah, because for something this long, you're going to have problems. You just yeah. don't know what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, amazing animals. Uh, yeah! Obviously, there, that was a big focus of uh, how excited they got when they got to have some uh, close-up encounters with various, you know, animals. Is Charlie Borman in particular kept saying, like, I've never seen uh, this animal before. I mean, in a zoo. But look, it's just there. Um, so what were the animal encounters that thrilled your soul? Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, I could do a whole episode just on that one. <laughs> um, so, I mean, honestly, beyond anything else, the gorillas, the mountain gorillas, um, I don't know why we haven't done an obsessed about mountain gorillas, but I have been obsessed with mountain gorillas since I was a fairly young child. Well, there we go. I just don't have a lot more to say about it than that. So that's probably <laughs> why. <laughs> um, but just the fact that they got to go there. Um, they went up this path, they're in Rwanda, and that I have since learned is one of the two countries where it's safe to go visit mountain, safe to go try to see mountain gorillas. Um, And they got to go, you know, go on this hike to go um, try to find them, and they did see them, and they were so incredibly close. Yeah, way up in like these misty mountains covered mm -hmm. in greenery, right? Yeah, and just to get to like just when we saw the sign of like oh they're gonna see gorillas i believe i squealed quite loudly yes uh with excitement and um but then to just see them being right there and that close and you know i just it was amazing i i lose words for it even now like four days later it it was just uh, so amazing. Yeah, it was really, really cool to see that photography. Just it, like you would in any documentary, it's always amazing to see the, the you know, it, it is it bizarre and interesting and exciting and fascinating animals uh, as those mountain gorillas up close. But the fact that they allow humans that close... But the really affecting moments were like they're clearly just going about their lives, just like, you know, a mom, you know, playing with cleaning, feeding, you know, Mm -hmm. a young gorilla. And she just blinks and just turns and just stares at them Mm -hmm. and them being so affected by it. It was one of those great moments of like, this is why you watch something like this, because they are expressing what you would have felt Mm -hmm. in that moment. In that moment for me was exactly it of like. On one hand, look at these, you know, we're in this, you know, incredibly bizarre, from our perspective, remote place up in these misty hills, uh, you know, misty mountains. Yeah. uh, Very close to these, you know, powerful, amazing animals. But then the way that uh, Gorilla turned and looked at them and just blinked, it really, it was like, I really felt like she was just going to be like, what are you guys up to today? I'm clearly feeding my young. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I guess if you want to watch weirdos, but uh, <laughs> you don't have what, anything better to do. Yeah, what's uh, what's going on with you? Stare at me today. Wait, 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 head next. Well, what's the mileage on your <laughs> on your motor? It, it, it's so deeply uh, human, you know. And I know I'm not saying anything amazing. Humans and gorillas are obviously very close uh, in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the utter power of their incredibly close and the way that the that look just had so much humanity in it. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. And to hear them react that same way of like, wow, like, what is she, what is she thinking? Yeah. Because <laughs> it, re- it really looks, you know, totally like she is thinking just like, what you guys up to? What are you, uh, you can look at me, but why? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I was honestly am- amazed, um, surprised at how close they were able to get. Um, yeah. Like that the, that the guides, the park rangers or guides from this um, reserve led them to. I mean, this is, they know what they're doing. It isn't like it's a, you know, yes, go on, right. you know, surprise. Totally. It's not respectful. a thing that they, you know, um, you just can do like a big game safari or something. It's, it's a, it's a real thing. <laughs> That's a weird way to do it. But um, I feel like the, the people who are leading them there, they are there for the protection of the mountain gorillas. Mm-hmm. And so they are not doing things that will in any way um, bring harm to the mountain gorillas. And like, they won't, they're like, we can't stay for very long. We can only be there for an hour. Yeah, you know, like, they're very time. sensitive yeah. to um, both the need to share um, people being able to see the mountain gorillas, but also trying to preserve the mountain gorillas autonomy within their own habitat, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better phrase. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it was amazing. Yeah. It really did feel like they're stopping in for some tea and that they don't want to be rude and stay too long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's way too many fascinating animal moments, but mm-hmm. the, uh, the, I loved the crocodiles. <laughs> Because they're so, I mean, crocodiles are amazing, right? And it, But in particular, spoiler, they go to a crocodile habitat run by this like 80-year-old man mm-hmm. who uh, gets reports of crocodiles who have murdered, who have ate a human. Yeah, human-eating crocodiles. Human-eating crocodiles, and they got to get killed or they got to go somewhere because they're a threat. Mm-hmm. And he goes and gets them. And so it's basically like, like a place for crocodiles who have absolutely ate a human being yep. to chill in relative peace and just the that contrast and like how in, how close they got and how powerful they are and how scary they are and how fascinating they are to just be like you know they talk about like they you know evolved like all animals and then they've just been crocodiles for in insane amount of millions of years because crocodiles are just like great all right uh, this this animal works on to the next one (laughs) keep evolving because you're no crocodile like that was uh that was fascinating yeah yeah that is such a good a good one yeah uh i want to ask you about this specific quote that ewan mcgregor said early on in Uh the trip uh i am paraphrasing but he was saying uh, this kind of goes to some of our logistics conversation he didn't want it to all go smooth. He wanted uh, some problems because the point is to have an adventure. And you can't really have an adventure unless there are some actual like problems to figure your way out. How do you feel about that view? Mm. Wow. I, I'll i be honest. I don't remember him exactly saying that. Um, I feel like, I mean, I... I clearly based on what I said a few minutes ago that I have a similar <laughs> I mean I'm happy to have things go well don't get me wrong <laughs> um but I think it is to me I would ne- not necessarily say problems but I would say the unexpected like something that's especially a trip like this that that's very you I for myself would not necessarily want like every single thing to be planned because some of the most interesting moments might come out of the unplanned interactions. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So I think, and I remember him saying something about that. I honestly don't remember him saying he wanted problems. 
I, I, I guess you're not asking about what he said. You're asking about what I think. So yeah. Um, well, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's what I heard, which might say something about me. <laughs> yeah, because what I heard was him really not wanting to just like stay on the route, but to have the ability within their schedule to be able to. St- Stop and meet people. And, you know, like for example, like at one place, somebody had heard because they were following on the blog, had heard that they were nearby. So they had like painted on a bed sheet outside of the town that they're staying in, like you and Charlie coffee break here and had put it up three days earlier just in case. And then they were thrilled that they happened to stop and be like, they're like, okay, well, let's go see what this is. And so they did. And I think um, to me, moments like that, like not necessarily the moments where the shocks kept breaking um, on their motorcycle. And like, that's a, a real problem that if it happens in the wrong place, you're really uh, not going to be able to fix it with duct tape. Right. <laughs> like that's a real problem. Um, or, you know, they were that we know of not attacked by, you know, animals when they're attack- when they're camping, but that would not be a problem that I would want to have to deal with. But some of the, the unexpected experiences, mm-hmm. I guess, would be that's what I often go for um, when I'm traveling is want those like whatever those things that you can't plan. Yeah. In addition to the things that you can plan, like you can plan a lot of cool things, but you can't plan all of the moments. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, un- I think unplanned adventures is probably what a lot of people want. But I think I think about that a lot because I, you know, it's so did grow up with a lot of you know, fantasy and science fiction storytelling that are coming of age stories mm-hmm. about going out and having adventures. And we have this tendency uh, as humans to fantasize about the power part of it. You fantasize about, you know, being in these adventures where, you know, w- when you sort of put yourself in the place of Batman, you're like, yeah, and I would pop out of the shadows and I would save someone by punching a guy. Adventure. Like, but but then you know so he gets hit a lot <laughs> gets captured and tortured uh, maybe in batman it maybe isn't even the best example but like even to go to star wars like luke skywalker he is he's staring at the twin suns dreaming of adventure and i think about that as myself a lot of like i do want adventure i want to feel like i'm alive i want to feel like i encountered something and i learned from it uh but then that is a weird thing to wish that like i want to get out of here and <laughs> get my hand cut off <laughs> right i don't want that no but i want something close to that without some i want i want to to have the the badge of adventure yeah but how bad of a thing am i willing to get close to in order to have adventure is a fascinating thought to me and something i've turned around in my head a lot of like there's just like fun unplanned like you didn't know that was going to happen right Th- like your example of you know, hey, we didn't know uh, that these people were going to stop, put a sign up and invite us in for tea. And like, yeah, there's a little el- element of adventure of like, yeah, it absolutely could have been a trap and they could have <laughs> attempted to kidnap or murder you. Uh, uh-huh. But I don't think there was any ever feeling of that. Right. It was just something unplanned. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely an adventure. But it's also an adventure to be like uh, there was a part later on where uh, Ewan McGregor was recording a video entry with a elephant over his shoulder and got too close and the elephant charged him right and that is a different kind of adventure than i didn't know i was going to stop in to that bloke's <laughs> right. house for tea right right and is is one of them more valuable because there was actually the threat of danger is one mm. of them more of an adventure than another for, to, to me 
Sure. I would rather have the tea or coffee than... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really the, like... I mean, some of the people bungee jumped off Victoria Falls. That would not be me. No. Um, I mean, that is all, they had planned that as well. They had planned that. That was so not a planned a, adventure. A, <laughs> and like, oh, I'm here. Let me just jump um, with a rope and see if it holds. Um, yeah. No, for me, for me, it is much more. I like the concept of adventure. I don't like the concept of physical danger. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and so I, it's finding that line. Yeah, and I'm not, I am not saying to you like, let's go find uh, and put ourselves in a place where we know there'll be danger, so we can feel <laughs> alive. I'm not quite that person. But I know. I will use an example of you and I uh, drove from uh, our home in Los Angeles to San Francisco for the San Francisco Sketch Fest a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and we had to take a detour for some reason, and we went into this small winding road that had become incredibly dense with fog like mm-hmm. horror movie fog can only see five feet in front of us yeah so for me like that was not planned when uh when it happened it was terrifying because we didn't know how long we would be on that detour we could have run out of gas we could have easily hit something it mm-hmm. was spooky as hell yeah there was definitely an element of danger but when we got out the other side, I was like, awesome, we had an adventure. Yes. How do you feel about that? I agree that it was terrifying in the moment um, with for all of the like the reasons that you just stated. But then but it was also uh, it was the, it was beautiful and terrifying in the moment. Um, yeah. Ooh, and maybe that's beautiful. important is like it wasn't just awful. It was fascinating and thrilling because it, it was romantic because we were having an adventure yeah. yeah it was like we were in some kind of fantasy yeah absolutely and it, and it was very romantic and you know we both like fog and <laughs> <laughs> you know like, like the feeling of fog means i think you know has that sense of like mystery crossing and, into the and unknown adventure and what will be there but there's also the reality of like is somebody going to come 70 miles an hour behind us and hit us or we're on the side of a hill are we going to fall down the mountain because we can't see that the road turns yeah um so there are a lot of like real physical worries um and so once we made it out of those without those physical worries manifesting then you get to just enjoy the beauty and the thrill without the uh worry of death yeah yeah or injury yeah Yeah. okay good i don't have any adventures planned for the podcast okay yeah you don't have a fog coming in i don't have any fog (laughs) i don't have the zoom rigged to explode (laughs) if we don't finish podcasting by a certain time although that would be let's do that let's do our speed podcast where we have to finish (laughs) in an hour or the zoom blows up i I don't know (laughs) then we just have to keep buying new zooms so easy, you're assuming that we couldn't meet the challenge. <laughs> I think that's a fine assumption. Uh, I got a few more questions. <laughs> Speaking of uh, podcasting for only an hour, uh, I think the big question hovering over all of this discussion yes. of Long Way Down, would you want to do a trip like this in any form or fashion? Where would you want to go if we were traveling in some way? We'll get to the yeah. motorcycle part of it because okay. I know the motorcycle part is not going to be the favorite. So we'll talk about that separately. But just some sort of adventure where we were traveling and the kind of the point of it was to travel a great distance and yeah. see lots of different places are you kidding absolutely <laughs> especially if we got to have like the support staff so there's other people um with us on this journey with us that we know and trust but that everybody kind of has their well regardless of what our roles would be um 
I I mean, if it were just the two of us going on an adventure, yes, absolutely. But if it's also like, and we've also got other people and another person is one who has to read all the government websites to figure out what visas you actually (laughs) were supposed to have gotten and, you know, figure out, oh, that's the ferry that comes once every two weeks. And, you know, like everybody has their role and has to do their part. But it's a lot of weight and a lot of pressure. And I would absolutely be up for trying it just with the two of us. But it also sounds fun if there were a production team (laughs) would you be willing Um, to be uh, to do a television show uh like this if it meant a support staff sure (laughs) i say uncertainly you've got this look in your (laughs) eye that like i'm gonna be confident but uh but there's some trepidation right no definitely trepidation Yeah. yeah it felt like they were pretty respectful in the editing that they let conflict emerge but that they weren't there was no sort of uh, clear. It, it seemed clear from a couple moments that there were times where people were like, I'm not talking right now because yeah. I'm not in the place to. Yep. Yeah. No, I think it would be. I think it would be really fascinating. You know, and regardless of whether it's you know something like like this, where it's a film thing, or just a trip for the sh- the sake of a like an adventure going somewhere. Um, I, I think it would be f- really fun. I think it would be fascinating. The logistical part of my mind instantly goes to things like, but job, bills, you know, like what's next? <laughs> also, you know, like, if, will I find out that I'm a good enough human or not? Like, what's the challenge to my humanity for going on a trip like that? Because I feel like that's Ooh. one of the, um, to me, that seems like one of the um outcomes of a trip like this or one of the things that you're going through during it is like as you're going through different places how do the different places in your interactions with people challenge your own humanity and are you willing to be open and willing to go with the flow of what comes up or do you need to be in control or is it not a safe situation so you should be in control and kind of like gauging all of that of your response as a human like that to me is both fascinating and terrifying right so i mean that's the true adventure the adventure (laughs) of the soul right of like seeing how how this affects you and if you rise to the challenge of to responding and being the person that you want to be Mm -hmm. as you're encountering lots of new things lots of stressful things yeah yeah that's fascinating where would you want to go oh so many places (laughs) goodness i mean I mean, this I'm I'm very much on this. I would be fascinated to go through um, multiple countries in Africa, but that is uh, where I would want additional oh, yeah. uh, people, just because I don't trust myself um, or us uh, to know quite enough. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Um, but uh, gosh, I mean, I think it would be easier for me to think of places I wouldn't want to go because I can't really think of many right now. Okay, nice. I mean, a lot of them might depend on what the current political situation is in a given area. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, I would, I, there's so many that I want to go on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all of them. All, I, honestly, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. You want to go everywhere. I kind of do. Eh, that, that, that's understandable. Uh, so I guess we'll have to narrow it down when, it, uh, when it's our turn. Yeah. We'll have th- that's to... what this is. Every, every two people in the world is going <laughs> to do a version of Long Way somewhere. That's, yeah. Okay. Eventually it'll be our turn. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. That's... Good. Would you want to go? Yeah, I think so. I think if it was the right place, I think I would need to be really honest to myself about what level, in, what kind of challenges I could handle, mm-hmm. um, just physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was. This was so great. It was so amazing to see Africa, um, and they had such an interesting mixture of 
going to cities and staying in hotels or going to beautiful bodies of water and staying in these uh, strange uh, remote little resorts. But then they also had a lot of, uh, we're going to camp here and we're pretty sure it's okay that, you know, no one is going to, you know, uh, no people or animals are going to come and be, you know, dangerously upset with us for just Mm -hmm. being here. And I've never been uh, super into camping. Um, you you know i do we've been working up to a hot hiking to the hollywood sign for six <laughs> years I thought that we does not admitting that. that no 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 that does not that does not bode well for my camping ability so yeah. i have to be honest with myself about how much that would challenge me yeah i'm not a camper yeah yeah let's talk about how we would go you i suspect uh, are not a big fan of motorcycles I'm not. I mean, this is honestly no. This watching this is the first time that I would I would even consider it, just because um, there are parts of it that seem like yeah, that is a good way to do this type of trip. Because it's you, a huge part of the point, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of them made the point at the end of you you experience it differently, and the people that you're you know um, riding past experience you differently when you're on a motorcycle versus in a car because you're physically open to them and you're in kind of a vulnerable position as they yeah. stated it which i thought was really insightful that a car can just can kind of contain anyone or anything and you're kind of sealed up in there yeah but a motorcycle you're kind of out in the open yeah so that part of it is like okay well if if you're going for this type of experience that would be really interesting and fascinating um i mean that's just kind of the reality of uh for me of like I I love road trips, so cars are fun, but that's a different experience. Um, that's more about the experience of the people within the car and how they are interacting with the people or the landscapes and places outside mm-hmm. of the car. Um, I'm not a bicyclist, um, and if you're going a long way, that's a lot of work. Um, I've always wanted to go on a hiking trip, like a multi-day okay. hiking trip. Um, whether it's camping or like you hike and there's, you know, huts and things like that. Like, so if we didn't go as far, if we like walked France, for example, are you kidding? I have those tabs open on my phone basically (laughs) all the time. (laughs) How to walk across France. I would be, I think I'd be into that. Yeah. Or like, I think I've friendship people like the coastal paths in the UK or like a lot of, or there's a lot of trails here in the U S like a lot of hiking trips would be, um, Mm, yeah, I think how I'd want to certainly start like maybe like like a three day. See how we can do. See how we do on three mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would like to do. I yeah. would like to, you know, especially if it was like a television show and there's like a little bit of money involved. I would like to go to like the highest end motorcycle place in the world and say, can you build me a motorcycle with large training wheels? So I felt <laughs> the freedom, <laughs> but felt much safer. And I'm sure there are many reasons that their answer would be No. <laughs> From the practical to the philosophical, no's of all kinds, I would get to that. But in my heart, that's what I want. I, yeah. I think it goes to that. Like, I want the spirit of adventure with less actual danger Yeah. when it comes to motorcycles. I want that feeling. Yeah. I want to feel open and exposed and flying. And like, you know, I've never been, uh, I've sat on a motorcycle. I've never ridden a motorcycle. Um, but, you know, uh, I've, I've been on a bicycle and I've had those moments of like, oh, this is great when you're zipping down a hill that you probably shouldn't go down. And you're, <laughs> you know, wondering if you're going to, you know, make it or if you're going to crash at the bottom. Like that is amazingly freeing. Yeah. And I want that, but also I don't. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this part of me, like, I've certainly had that, like, well, in the right place in the right time, like having some version of like a moped or, you know, take your Vespa out around the world. <laughs> going to say not not all the roads that we saw. <laughs> Go that take your little Vespa, Vespa on. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we could Vespa but, through France. Or, yeah. You know, but for something like that, I think then I would be open to something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a whole new realm of possibility to me today. If we went on a trip like this, but we knew at least one night a bear, a hungry bear, would investigate our campsite, would you still go? Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's why I would want to do do this with other people. Yeah. Um, so when I was young, my family did go camping. And when you go camping, you know how to do things and you're used to it. Mm-hmm. and like people tie things up in trees or you know in between the two trees hanging in the middle so the bears can't get to it like there's ways to do this yes and i want to go with people who know what they're doing so i can learn i'm happy to learn and then do it but i don't want to be the idiot who got you know my arm bit off by a bear because i didn't know how to tie something up in a tree right or away you from just a tree. like yeah he's, i'd leave my foot sticking out with honey on it yeah. It's just an invitation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. No feet out with honey. No feet out with honey. It's just that simple <laughs> to avoid the bears. Come on. That was my uh, other thing, reaction, because there are a couple nights where they were getting ready to camp, and it was a bunch of them, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes they camp, sometimes Charlie and Ewan uh, camped without the support staff there. Mm-hmm. But other times it was like, it was like eight people, right? And uh, this is just from years of playing uh, Call of Cthulhu role-playing game in particular, like, Come on, guys, just have a watch. You just, you trade off every two hours. There's enough of you. You all get sleep. Just, you just have an animal watch. It's yeah. that easy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly did wonder with a few of the, because they, they stayed at a few resorts that were basically like nice semi-permanent tents. Yeah. But that were in areas where there was a lot of, like, I think one of them was at one of the places where they saw elephants. Yeah. And I did have that, like, so they're staying at a place and does that place have staff that just are on animal patrol all night? Right. Do they have, like, yeah, is there, is there an of, elephant bell that goes off of like, yeah, yeah. too close or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that part, that whole part was fascinating and terrifying to me. Yeah. How close to elephants are you comfortable sleeping? It's mm-hmm. a great question. <laughs> uh, I would like you to make a noise to sum up your interest in Long Way Down. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> good noise good noise and i knew exactly what it was thank you it is a elephant riding a motorcycle right exactly perfect uh let's rate our obsession level uh this is obviously not a long-term obsession because we just watched it in the last <laughs> not even week but on a scale of one to ten one being the lowest ten being the highest where would you put your current obsession level with this i'm gonna put my current at like a nine because basically i think about it all the time yeah, no, I mean, it, this is uh, pretty, you and I have watched a lot of television together. <laughs> We've been on that adventure, and I can tell when you're hungry. You <laughs> <laughs> came home and like, is it time yet? We're going to watch it, right? And like, <laughs> I'm going to leave work on time and everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You did leave work on time this week. Is that what it takes? <laughs> That's what it takes, right? Uh, apparently, yeah. Okay. Two other people on motorcycles is what it takes to get you home on time. <laughs> Fine. I've learned my lesson. Yeah, same thing for me. I think uh, I think it was in, 
utterly enjoyable as a piece of entertainment, but it it touched on everything from just, you know, thinking about my relationship with seeing actors as humans. Not that I don't already, but that, that's something that's really important to me to think about how I think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that level, um, honestly, just kind of watching that philosophy of the whole thing that had this like deep sense of respect and curiosity, but also this energy to keep moving forward. Yeah, and that, it kind of holding that in my heart of like that's great to balance those things to not just totally get mired in. I'm interested in this, so I'm just going to be focused on only that. But like to have that sense of curiosity and forward movement is great. Um, I learned a lot. It was really entertaining, and it was really a great fix to not being able to go out and about as much as I want to right now. So I think for myself, all uh, for all those things, yeah, I'm I'm up there at a nine with you. Yay! Yeah. Vroom vroom enough to even think about briefly paying for apple stream whatever <laughs> it's probably apple plus who even anyway uh let's do some quick plugs and then we'll have our final questions where can people find you on social media you can find me on twitter at sarah underscore scrimshaw um probably not tweeting photos of motorcycles at least not yet yeah at least not yet yeah look for my photo of the uh motorcycle with eight different training wheels on it that probably <laughs> could never exist but if it does, I'll find out, damn it. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, uh, when shows come up again, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. We've recently changed up some stuff with the uh, Patreon. Uh, We had been doing bonus uh, episodes of Obsessed, but now I'm going to be doing a monthly blog post, kind of catching people up on stuff that's going on in my life and hopefully writing some little bits of short fiction. Uh, There's a little bit of short fiction up there on uh, Patreon right now. And also uh, should mention that the uh, fantasy comedy show that I'm a writer for Tig Tone is on Adult Swim. It is a beautiful, strange, weird, violent little show. <laughs> uh, it is basically like a mashup of He-Man and Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons with the Fever Dream and also its own totally unique thing. Uh, I've had such a great time being a writer for it. The uh, first season is up on HBO Max now, speaking of streaming services, and it, you can find it on the AdultSwim.com website and app. And the second season is premiering uh, this coming Sunday, September 13th at midnight. So if it sounds like the kind of thing that you uh, might enjoy, do go check it out. Again, it is called Tig Tone. Uh, It was created by two uh, great uh, pals of mine from Minneapolis, and I'm lucky to be one of the writers. Really enjoy it. So go check it out. Here are our final questions. Mm -hmm. If you could transform into a vehicle, what vehicle would you want to transform into? Ooh, a Jeep. A (laughs) Jeep. Well, why a Jeep? It sounds fun. It does sound fun. Yeah. That I mean, I, this is such a weird thing to say. You you are a Jeep person. Am we I? Don't, we don't own a Jeep. <laughs> it, it's it is it's practical, right? Well, it's yeah, adventurous. I like it's you take Jeeps on adventures, right? But you but you take a Jeep on an adventure when you want to be prepared, right? Well, like because you your wheels go on the ground and go in the mud and like it's a little more uh, it has a few more options than just like a you know sedan uh but the top like it's raised up maybe if it's nice out you can take off the top uh you can see things you can see those elephants when they're about to charge you you, you can, can see the stars away. yeah all right like yeah all right Excellent. Okay. You, you want to be a, a Jeep 
Yeah. That is prepared for anything. <laughs> Would you have a winch? Uh, after this? Watching Long Way Down? Yes. Before this, never would have thought of it. <laughs> but now, winches all the time. All right. If one night the moon came up and it did have an actual face, what kind of face would you want the moon to have? Oh, wow. Gosh. I mean, in my heart of hearts, I want it to be like a contemplative face, maybe sleeping. But, <laughs> uh, you know, like it's like, oh, the, the moon, the moon comes out and it's napping. A nice little dream, just like many of us get to have while it's out. Do um, you want Z's to be coming out of the moon? <laughs> no, that'd be scary. That, I think it was gas coming out of the moon. Oh, fair enough. But, I mean, I kind of feel like uh, right now it would just be like, what are you all doing? And it would be a big, massive, grumpy face chiding <laughs> us. Like, shh, shh, tisk, tisk, tisk. That would be pretty great if it was yeah. a shocked face of like, yeah. what? Humans, yeah. what? Get yeah. your act together. <laughs> Come on, humans, says the moon's face. Final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Happiness is finding a comfortable place to sleep where you aren't likely to be uh, trampled by elephants. Well, we are going to be able to be happy tonight then, right? <laughs> that is our podcast. Thank you much, uh, so much uh, for joining me as always, Sarah. And as I just said, that is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So what is another animal that we saw on Long Way Down that you were thrilled by? Baby rhino. 